and good morning. It is Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church, uh, Tactical Discipleship, and um, ServantForChrist.com. Hope you guys are having a great morning. I know I have, you know, uh, sitting here listening to worship and stuff like that. It's been pretty good. I know I'm getting on a bit early. Um, I'm going to start doing this, getting on a bit early, about 10 minutes early, 10 or 15 minutes early, because um, I have a lot of stuff I got to do in the morning. And stuff like that. So I want to make sure I get all that stuff done before I go to work. <laughs> anyway. <coughs> Excuse me. So, guys, uh, just an announcement before we get started. If you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. That's madefreechurch.org. Um, we have a whole intercessory prayer team that is set up to pray over your prayer request daily. So that's madefreechurch.org. So let's get into this, man. Let's get into this This. This is what I'm calling the institution of the Lord's Supper. And uh, we're going to get a better understanding of, of what it means to partake in the Lord's Suppers and what it means to partake in the Lord's Supper and why why Paul instituted why Jesus instituted it. Um, and we're going to learn about that today. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We just thank you for all that you do, Lord. Bless the people that are going to be watching later. Bless the people that are watching today, Lord. Uh, the people are in, and just bless this time, Lord. Get me out of the way and let your word go through. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's get into it. Guys, if you guys want to uh, comment, go ahead and comment. Um, and uh, uh, I will see it. And, and when I see it, I, I will respond to it. Um, if you guys want to give up your name and give StreamYard access to your profile, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, go ahead and do that. Um, it's really, really cool. Anyway, so let's get into this. So we're going to continue our study in 1 Corinthians in a series that I'm calling Challenges That Christians Face. And one of the challenges that Christians face is the issue of proper Christian worship. So... Um, this is a message that I'm calling Institution for the Lord's Supper. So let's read 1 Corinthians 11, 26, 23 through 26. And it says this, For I received, the Lord's, uh, for I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was being betrayed, took bread, and when he, and when he had given things, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this is the cup, it, this cup is the, new, is the new covenant of my blood. Do this oft, as often as you drink, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 26 Question 93 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism asks, what is the sacrament of the New Testament? And the answer is, the sacrament, the sacraments of the New Testament is the baptism of, uh, and the Lord's Supper. Jesus instituted uh, these two New Testament sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, which also is called communion. Um, and he did it by example and also by instruction. Jesus did not make up something completely new. He was continuing the two Old Testament sacraments of circumcision and the Passover. 
He simply transformed the Old Testament sacraments into the New Testament sacraments. The Old Testament sacrament of circumcision signified entrance into the covenant of the community of God's people. God called Abraham into the covenant relationship with himself and told him that he and all of his offspring must be circumcised as a sign of the covenant. Genesis 17, 9 through 14. Abraham and all of his male descendants were circumcised as a sign to their entrance into the covenant community of God's people. Centuries later, Jesus himself was circumcised on the eighth day, Luke 2.21, thereby signifying the, his entrance into the covenant community of God's people. When Jesus was about 30 years old, he started his public ministry. Just before he started his public ministry, he went to his cousin, John the Baptist, to be, to be baptized by him in Matthew 3.13-17. After three years of his ministry, Jesus was crucified, buried. Three days later, he came back to life again. He spent 40 days on earth, appearing to vi on, on a various occasions to different people. 1 Corinthians 15, 4-6. It was during these 40 days of instruction and prior to his ascension into heaven that Jesus commanded his disciples in Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, uh, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, by example and by instruction, Jesus instituted the New Testament sacrament of baptism, which replaces the Old Testament sacrament of circumcision. Baptism, like circumcision, is a sign of entrance into the covenant community of God's people. In the New Testament, it signifies the, our union with Christ and with God's people. That is why, for example, the entire congregation takes a vow to support parents of a child being dedicated or baptized in the, the Christian, uh, in, in the Christian nurture of that, of that child. Now, the Old Testament sacraments of the Passover meal signified fellowship or communion within the covenant community of God's people. Circumcision and its New Testament uh, counterpart of baptism was administered only once to the recipient. However, the Passover meal was celebrated regularly, like once a year. You could find that in Deuteronomy 16.1. God institutes the Passover meal when he delivered his people after 400 years of slavery from Egypt. God sent 10 plagues to the Egyptians to persuade Pharaoh to let the people of God go. And after each plague, Pharaoh refused to let the people of God go. God announced on the 10th plague that he would send the angel of death, killing the firstborn of child in every family. The angel of death would pass over every house that had bl the blood of the lamb sprinkled on its doorstep, on its doorpost of that house inside the house was the inhabitants were to eat the lamb along with unleavened bread and the bitter herbs god said to his people in the and this is exodus 12 1 through 14 you can find this but i'm going to do a shorter version of it, it says this day 
shall be your memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. So throughout the Old Testament, God's people celebrated the Passover meal in memory of God's supreme deliverance from them, from Egypt into the promised land. Centuries later, Jesus regularly celebrated the Passover meal as a sign of his communion with God and with the people of God. And at the end of his public ministry, which, was, uh, which lasted only like three years, Jesus had one last supper with his disciples. And during the celebration uh, of that Passover meal, Jesus transformed it into what we know now as the Lord's Supper. He instructed his disciples that they were to continue celebrating the Lord's Supper until he returned. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. So again, you know, by example and by instruction, Jesus instituted the New Testament sacraments of the Lord's Supper, which replaced the Old Testament sacrament of the Passover meal. The Lord's Supper signifies our communion with Christ and with God's people. That is why the Lord's Supper is also called communion. And as we shall, it will be celebrated regularly in church. The Apostle Paul established the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper into the Church of Corinth when he planted it. He did not personally baptize any of the Christians in the Corinthians church. You can find that in chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. But he affirmed baptism as a non-negotiable act of obedience to the Lord for all believers. You know, we've learned in previous, uh, previous Bible studies that the Corinthian church regularly gathered together in order to share a special meal. These meals were known as love feasts. You can find that in Jude 12. It was uh, like a modern day potluck. You know what I mean? Um, everyone brought something to eat and drink to the large home of a wealthy Christian. The Christians enjoyed a regular meal together, which was concluded by the Lord's Supper. The purpose of the love feast was to stress fellowship, affection, and mutual caring among other, among the Christians. Sadly, what Paul had taught the, Corinth, uh, the Corinthian Christians about the Lord's Supper was forgotten and the Lord's Supper was being abused. The poor Christians could not get off work early enough to join the rich Christians the poor Christians also did not have much food or drink to bring to the love feast. So the rich Christians often started without waiting for the poor Christians. The entire meal was degenerated into gluttonous, drunken uh, uh, revelry. And it was, also, it was so bad that Paul was compelled to say to the Corinthian Christians, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. 1 Corinthians 11.20 so Paul reminded the Christian, the Corinthian Christians that the central focus of the Lord's Supper was the remembrance and the proclamation of Christ's saving work. Remembering this should have led the Corinthians to correct their misconduct, but sometimes it didn't. So in our Bible study today, we learn that the central focus of the Lord's Supper is the remembrance and the proclamation of Christ's saving work. We learn about this as, as, as it follows. 
One, the institution of the Lord's Supper, and that's verse 23a. Then the elements of the Lord's Supper, that's in 1123b through 25. The proclamation of the Lord's Supper, and that's in verse 26. Let's, let's note, notice that the institution of the Lord's Supper, right? Paul said in verse 23a, For I receive from you uh, the Lord what I receive from the Lord what I have delivered to you. Paul noted that he received from Jesus what he also delivered to the Corinthian church. These two words, received and delivered, when taken together was a technical phrase among the teachers of Paul's day for the official sacred transmission of religious traditions. In other words, Paul was not simply passing along some helpful suggestion or pious advice. He was, in fact, delivering to the Corinthian church official teaching that was actually came from the Lord Jesus himself. Right? Well, good morning, Fernando. Good to see you, my brother. Paul did not say how he received this official teaching from the Lord Jesus. Perhaps it was by direct revelation or, or maybe he heard it directly from several of the disciples such as Peter, James, and John, whatever, who were in the upper room with Jesus when he instituted the Lord's Supper for the very first time. Regardless of how Paul received the official teaching uh, from the Lord, the Corinthians had previously been instructed in the proper way, right? And there was no longer, and, and they were no longer carrying out his teaching. So Paul next described what was involved in the institution of Paul's supper. So let's look at the, at the second part, which is the elements of the Lord's Supper, right? Paul began explaining uh, what is involved in the Lord's Supper by saying the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed. The very first Lord's Supper was instituted by Jesus himself and he did it on the night that he was betrayed. Although Jesus was celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room, neither gospel nor Paul's account here gives details of the meal. Uh, they conse they concentrated on they concentrated on Jesus' institution of the new meal, the Lord's Supper, which now supersedes the old meal, the Passover meal. So it's it's helpful to understand how the Passover meal was observed. The Passover meal began with the host pronouncing a blessing over the first cup of red wine and passing it to others who were present. Four cups of wine were passed around during the meal. After the first cup was drunk, bitter herbs dipped into the fruit sauce were eaten and the message was given on the meaning of the Passover. The first part of the hymn or halal, which means praise as it's related to hallelujah, praise the Lord, was sung. The halal was comprised of Psalms 113 through 118 and the first part sung was usually uh, Psalms 113 or Psalms 113 and 114. And the second cup was passed around and the host would break and pass around the bread. The meal proper, uh, then the meal proper, which is considered a roasted sac sacrificial lamb, was eaten. 
and the third cup after the prayer was passed around and several more of the Hello Psalms were sung. The fourth cup, which celebrated the coming kingdom, was drunk into uh, uh, prior to concluding the meal and the final halal psalm was sung so it was during the breaking of bread which was distributed after the second cup of wine that jesus said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me eleven twenty four. and then the third cup of wine was passed uh wine uh wine that, that jesus blessed and became the cup of communion in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this often as you drink it in remembrance of me Eleven twenty-five. so jesus gave some brief words of warning and rebuke and instruction and we find that in luke 22 through 21 through 38 and the meal was concluded with a singing of psalm 118 and a final halal psalm we find you can find that in Matthew twenty six thirty. Now, as I said, uh, as I said, Paul did not explain everything that took place in the, uh, when the Lord Jesus instituted the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. But he did teach about the bread and the cup, and we and let's see what the bread and cup, right? So we're gonna there. There's the bread, right? Paul said in verses 23b, that's the end of 23 and 24, that Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Four verbal ideas describe the activities regarding the bread. Took the bread, had given thanks, broke it and said, see, Jesus took the bread that is, he picked it up. The term also uh, is translated into loaf. So it's likely that Jesus picked up a single loaf of bread to symbolize the unity of those eating together. Next, he gave thanks. He prayed and thanked God for the meal that, uh, and what it symbolized. And then he broke the bread. Hosts normally broke the bread for their guests. You can find that in Mark 6 uh, 41 and John six eleven. Jesus did not intend to communicate that his body was the, the, the broken bread was uh, his body was about to be broken. In fact, John's gospel clearly notes that none of Jesus bones were broken. Rather this breaking of the bread simply references uh, to the fact that believers are a part of the body of Christ. Paul referred to this earlier in his letter when he said in verse 10, 16b through 17, he said this, the bread that we break is not a participation in the body of Christ because there is one bread. We who are many are one body for we partake of the one bread. Finally, Jesus spoke to his disciples about the, the, the symbolism of the bread. Paul summarized Jesus as having said three things when he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we see, it's just really, 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 really important. So first, Jesus said, this is my body. This is an expression 
that has been a source of much debate throughout church history. There is essentially four views of regarding the Lord's Supper and the meaning of the expression particularly. The first view is called transubstantiation, which is the view of the Roman Catholic Church. The view holds that the bread and the wine are literally turns into the body and the blood of Jesus. However, that clearly cannot be the case because Jesus literally was present in the first institution of the Lord's Supper when he handed out the bread and the wine. The second is consubstantiation, which is the view of the Lutheran Church. Uh, this view holds uh, that Christ's body and blood are present within it. And under the bread and wine, but uh, but the, the substance of the bread and wine do not change. This view is hard to support in the text itself. The third is a symbolic view, which the Protestant churches uh, hold to. The view that states that the bread and wine are symbols that encourage us to focus on the body and blood of Christ. The fourth view is a spiritual view. This is the view of the Presbyterian churches. This view states that Christ himself is not physically present. He is, however, present spiritually when the people of God celebrate the Lord's Supper. That's kind of how I look at it. It would be a more of a Presbyterian view, you know. Jesus said, which is for you, <clears throat> when Jesus died on the cross, he did not pay for his own sins because he didn't have any. He suffered and died on behalf of others. Jesus paid the penalty for the sin of the fallen sinners like ourselves. His death is so infinite, is so of infinite value and it is offered to all. The payment for sin that Jesus accomplished is available to every single person who turns to Jesus in faith, confession, and repentance. First John 1 John 1.9-2.2 through 2, 2. Yet in other words, the Lord's Supper, uh, the, in other words of the Lord's Supper, Jesus said that he has given his life for a particular group of people, his own followers. His death pays for the sins of those who believe in him. And third, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is a command from the Lord Jesus himself. Participating in the Lord's Supper is not optional for Christians. The Lord's Supper is to be celebrated on a regular basis if we are to be faithful to the Lord Jesus, who died and paid the penalty for our sin. In fact, one commentator goes as far to say, and I agree with him, not to partake, and this goes to Christians, not to partake of the Lord's Supper is disobedience and sin. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper during the celebration of the Passover meal. The Passover meal, you recall, commemorated Exodus 12, 14-27 by telling his disciples to replace the Old Testament sacraments of the Passover meal with the New Testament sacrament, which is the Lord's Supper. Jesus was in fact, claiming his work that supersedes Exodus, the Exodus. And it surely does. Jesus frees us from the spiritual bondage of slavery and sin. Jesus gives every Christian a sure hope of heavenly promise, the land that endures forever and ever. 
Jesus gives power to live a transformed life. The centrality of Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper is the main point in this passage. Now let's look at the cup. Paul said in verse 25, in the same way, um, he took the cup and after saying, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul noted a parallel between distribution of the bread and cup by saying that the cup was the distributed in the same way as the bread. Whereas in verse 24 and 23, he mentioned talking, thanking, breaking, and speaking. And verse 25 only mentions talking and speaking. The expression in the same way indicates that Paul intentionally abbreviated his description of the procedure regarding the cup. The cup of wine in the Passover meal represented the lamb's blood on the doorstep of the houses in, in, uh, in the Old Testament in Exodus. Now the cup of the new wine in the Lord's Supper represents the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1.29 When Jesus said that the cup was the new covenant in his blood, he was not referring to the covenant of grace, replacing the covenant of works. Instead, he meant that it was the new covenant in that it is the inauguration of the final covenant which all Old Testament covenants are pointed. The Passover meal and the Exodus are now replaced by the Lord's Supper and the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins forever. Now let's look at the proclamation of the Lord's Supper. Uh, Paul said in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, that's it, Paul, Paul did not signify how often the Lord's Supper was to be celebrated. Some say it should be yearly, uh, like the Passover meal. Others say it should be weekly. Paul simply indicated that, that, the, that it needed to be done regularly. The celebration of the Lord's Supper is the proclamation of the Lord's death. It is the proclamation to ourselves and to the watching world that Jesus is the way to salvation. It is joined as the Apostle Peter who concluded one of the very first Christian sermons with the statement, Acts 4.12, and there is salvation and no one else, for therefore no other name under heaven given among you by which men must be saved. And we celebrate the Lord's Supper until Jesus comes back again. Let me close with this. With John MacArthur's statement about what is involved in the Lord's Supper, MacArthur states this, when a believer comes to the Lord's table, he remembers Christ's work on the cross, 1125. He partakes in Christ's spiritual presence and fellowship, not the elements themselves, chapter 10, verse 16. He communes with the saints, chapter 10, verse 17. He worships in holiness, chapter 10, 20 through 22. And he proclaims salvation in Christ, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 24 through 25. And he participates, he anticipates the return of the Lord, and that's in uh, chapter 11, 26, and the coming kingdom, 
Matthew 26, 29. You know, we're going bit by bit here in in first corinthians and i think it's it's right that we do that you know what i mean because if we need to have a full understanding you know next i'm going to go to romans i have i've been writing out this whole series on romans uh and romans is going to be awesome so that is the end of this morning's bible study guys i hope you guys enjoyed it um just a couple more announcements before we go if you guys like to to support uh uh, sorry, if you guys would like to support Made Free Church in any way, shape, or form, go to madefreechurch.org. There's three ways to give. You can give through our cash app, you can give through our PayPal link, or you can give through a check or money order to the address that's provided on the website. Um, and if you guys like to check out my personal website, you can go to uh, servantforchrist.com. That's servantforchrist.com. It shows what I believe and all that other good stuff. And uh, guys, check out our friends at 120 Army. That's 120army.com. Aaron does the thing that we do every two weeks called Let's Talk. That's every two weeks we get together on a Sunday afternoon and we talk about topics. Yesterday was politics in the pulpit. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Guys, let's pray out. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity that we get to spend with you this morning. Lord, just bless us as we go about our day. We love you, we worship you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I'll be here on Wednesday. God bless you, and have a great, great day.